0: Welcome to the Nerds Podcast, number five eighty nine. At Midnight's going to New York next week, just in time for the huge medical scare. that's going on over there? This will be fun. I'm not, I'm not worried or a hypochondriac or anything. So I'm sure, we'll be real, real fine walking around in hazmat suits everywhere. Uh, but it's going to be an amazing week of shows on At Midnight. Uh, Jeff Ross, Artie Lang, Jim Gaffigan, Michael Ian Black, Hannibal Buress, uh, Jim Norton, Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer's are going to pop on, uh, Colbert's going to pop on, so it's going to be a good, good, good week of shows. Comedy Central at midnight on At Midnight. How long do you think I'm going to have to say that? I probably don't have to do that anymore. Um, this episode is Mr. Bob Odenkirk, uh, second appearance on the podcast, Uh, Bob is promoting his new book, A Load of Hooey, available now. He also talks some Better Call Saul on this. I don't know if there's a lot of Breaking Bad spoilers in here, but I think we did kind of graze Breaking Bad a bit. Uh, Also, Odenkirk's on tour. He's doing book signings and he's doing comedy around the country, and we're going to put a link to those dates uh, in the description of this podcast on Nerdist.com. But uh, a dear old friend and a delightful man, Mr. Bob Odenkirk, Number five eighty nine, the Nerdist Podcast.
1: Now entering Nerdist
0: How's life, Chris? That's good. How would you feel what if I told you... What do you we- do when
2: there's no mic in front
0: of you? Do you, Can do you, you, you breathe? You mean when? I don't understand. <laughs> when does that happen? It disappears, Bob. It just goes yeah. away. <laughs> I just I carry it around like this. you know, like, like It's just not plugged in. just like one of those yeah. harmonica Sometimes, neck things. Yeah. I just like, it's just all the time. So A yeah. I little I kid in his bedroom at the talk show. Alive, yeah. It's a Mr. Microphone yeah. that I can... Well, I just walk by people's radios. So you know you're alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel. It's the only way I can feel. Is and it then what will it say on your tombstone? Unplug. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a little microphone right in front of it. And then uh, mm. and then I'll never die. That's my Or girlfriend. it says
2: still talking.
0: Still, t- <laughs> still talking dead. It'll say talking dead. <laughs> yeah, Hank, hey, come on.
2: Is well, that the biggest thing you've done? Because it's kind of huge, right? Ye- talking yeah. dead. yeah.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like there's no question. Just
2: massive. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean numbers wise, yeah. There's, yeah. No, there's no question. I mean a- MTV. Nothing ever came close. Which to of the that.
2: zombies on Walking Dead is going to get his own spinoff?
0: Oh, uh, Corey. Yeah, yeah. I just made, I just made that. is that a real just, zombie? No, made, yeah, yeah. There must be a zombie he named. He is Corey. pretty cute
3: though, as this far as zombie. zombies go. Pretty cute, <laughs> pretty adorable, pretty Corey.
0: My uh, my long-standing theory about uh, the Walking Dead is that. If you think about Breaking Bad as a as it's basically all one story, right? That uh, and you look at the timelines and it actually works out. It works out too that uh, Breaking Bad starts like 2007, and mm-hmm. basically the timeline is 2007 to 09. Mm-hmm. I think that's right around the time when Walking Dead starts. I think Walt dies. Someone tries to reengineer the blue meth, and it creates this zombie, zombie thing. Oh, and that, because. The universes were connected because the prop guys gave Merle, episode, in episode 201, he opens a satchel and he's got some crushed blue meth in it. Right? They found blue oh. meth in his bag, so they connected the, the two shows. And their ancestors wow. are the
3: guys from Turn. No and uh, oh. small town and then low winter sun just got canceled. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so that's my theory. It's the I AMC like that universe, theory. right? Yeah, Isn't
2: everything's connected. It's I like all... that crossover. What is it? The comic books have a crossover. All
0: the crossover. Issue. It's a mashup. It's a crossover I like that. Mashup. I got a question for you. When you watch Walking Dead, do mm-hmm. you take notes? I, I do not take notes. You, I really you, don't. You seriously don't? No, I just watch it, and then I go do the show. It's 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 a it's a ridiculously
3: easy job. Do people catch
0: you,
2: though? Or like, yeah, that's not what happened, man. Do you forget,
0: or do you have no, to? No, I mean, it's, it's you, you know. You
3: naturally think about things. Like well, the prompter pro- will tell him anything he needs to know. I right? watch the, fuck you, Jonah. <laughs> um Wait, I got to take that
0: again. Fuck yourself, Jonah. I wasn't reading the prompter behind yes, your head. I, I just watch, and then I there's like a handful of moments that I go, "Oh, that's interesting," or "That might connect to this," or "This I'm curious about this." And then,
2: so oh. you have a real conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, no, totally. You know, no one does that. You know, you're the only one. <laughs> it's kind of true, right? It is. We've both done talk shows, and so much of it is planned out and scripted. Not that. so
0: much with the new like like Fallon doesn't Ferguson doesn't
2: yeah it's amazing Fallon doesn't okay. really they don't He's amazing but the
0: old the older the like the older guys yep. I think it's, it's like they, Letterman Conan it's I've like, never done Letterman
2: every single thing you're gonna say in the order you're gonna say it mm-hmm.
0: that makes that would make me way more nervous than. If they said, "Oh, you're just going to go out there and shoot the shit," I'd be like, "Great, uh, absolutely." But when they it's give way you like more lines to learn, to way like, more like, so in the pre-interview you said this. Could you say this this way? Yeah. And then he's going to say this, yep. and then you're going to yep. say this. Like, oh, then we're doing a scene. We're just doing a scene now. Yep. Yeah. That, that doesn't make me comfortable.
2: When David Cross and I first did Conan, we actually wrote it as a sketch. <laughs> Conan comes out. Audience applauds. And then they got the script because they were like, what are you going to say? No, what are you going to say? No, but exactly what are you going to say? And we were like, oh,
1: fuck you. And so we wrote this thing out.
2: You know, Conan laughs. Conan, you know, resumes hosting, you know. And... They're like, no, fuck you, not funny. They're <laughs> we like, well, you wanted it exactly. That was a long time ago because
0: now, no, he, now he's now actually loosened Conan, up a lot. It's Conan's super up, loose. Conan's yeah.
2: loosened up a lot, which you know why not? He's great. He's a great talk show host, and
0: you know what? A I'll tell you, guy. I do understand. I guess I do understand it. It 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 seems ridiculous. I think to us. It's not necessary, but
2: but it is to so have, not necessary. There's no be so sympathetic,
0: but but <laughs> but to have actors on with, guess, if you don't know yeah. that they're gonna be able to like just know, riff but, their way through something. Yeah.
2: I know, but come on, yeah, you can do it. You talk to anybody and you get them talking. I right? do. I
0: like talking to people, though. Yeah. I, well, I'm, that's I'm you the that job. way. I uh, I I just feel like I
2: think that the weird thing is this: a real talk show host like you, Chris, thank you, Bob. One of the big challenges, you have to be able to talk to anybody Mm -hmm. and not every, a lot of people can't do that. Even if they're funny people or clever, it's like, there's people they don't give a shit about. Like I, there's, there's so many, I, I have never watched the walking dead. I'm sure it's great, but I just don't watch that much TV. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the things that you're able to maintain an interest in people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do like people, though. And so I think it's I think what probably happens if you've done a talk show for, like, 25 years, night after night, is the skill shifts into probably how do I feign interest in this when yeah. I've done this night after night for yeah. 25 years, and then when can I get home? You know, like, that's yeah. a whole... Different skill Job. set as yeah. opposed to I'm still in the I can't believe I'm working regularly. And yeah, it's but exciting. that's good. That's
2: just because it's natural to you. I think Jimmy Fallon's the same way. He genuinely seems to want to, to talk everybody to everybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Would you it's ever host great... something? No. No.
2: Now no, big mistake. <laughs> Th- even thinking about it.
0: <laughs> Did we just make a mistake talking about it? Even yeah, thinking about we it? We just fucked up. Oh my we God, just manifested I, it. There's another reality that now out that out. has We're Bob hosting a show. All of that out. I just had the Birthday Boys on. Yeah, thank and you. they're great guys. They're great. Guys. great. They're awesome. I've they're great always guys. loved the Birthday I'm Boys. I yeah.
2: do. I think they're doing a great show. I think the show this year is more distinctive than it was last year. It's more them. It's
0: hard to do sketch on television.
2: Yeah, you know, they don't have a hook. There's seven white guys, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and apparently it, it is funky.
2: very hard to make a mark. You know, Amy Schumer is hilarious and has a hook. Yeah, Key and Peele, hilarious, great performers and mm-hmm. writers, and they have a hook. They have a raisin. De, how do you say it? Detre. De, de raisin raison detre. Raisin detre. De <laughs> The birthday boys just want to be funny, yeah. and they're smart, and they're good writers, and they're they're really likable guys, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird.
0: But they need a fire marshal bill.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think that because of the popularity of sketch, period, it's so popular right now, and and because of their excellence, their quality, and their that if people give them have the chance to get to know them. They'll they'll gravitate towards it as just really entertaining. Just really silly and fun and entertaining and well constructed. What was yeah. what was the
0: Mr. Show hook besides you guys just being funny?
2: There wasn't a hook and it didn't do well.
0: <laughs> How about the fact that it didn't do well? But yeah. I always think of it as it did very well. It was well. hip. But did it not? I no, it, it did terribly. I didn't know that. It's horribly. I always think of that as like, you know, kids in the hall, Mr. Show. No. No, no. No.
2: Didn't do well at all.
0: I had no idea. No,
2: no, no. I mean, I don't know how he stayed on for four seasons. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, it was just, there was no audience for it. None. <laughs> I, wouldn't I think be- that it didn't cost much. Uh, Troy Miller did an amazing job of producing that show and making it look as good as he made it. Yep. Um, without him, that show would not be anything like what it was. And, uh, and so, you know, it, it just. The, but we never got the audience. Never did it. But it, maybe after the show, there there must have been. I mean, like the DVDs? audience definitely has. You know, what's you know, it's twenty times what it was because of DVDs and and because of YouTube and and because of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, no, it just wasn't. It didn't do well. I think we might have done well if we'd stayed on a fifth season. But we were also demoralized. We just couldn't do it. You know, one of the sketches in my book, A Load of Hooey, mm-hmm. yeah, I which is in bookstores was... right now, what sitting are there waiting for you to fucking buy it. There's still bookstores?
3: <laughs> this is fantastic. There are two <laughs> bookstores. <laughs> there are two bookstores.
2: Uh, one of these sketches was written, it was the last thing I wrote for Mr. Show, Happy Ending, which Scott C. Uh, drew. Oh, Scott,
0: Scott C., yeah. the Scott best. Campbell.
2: Yeah, I, I, Scott Campbell did a drawings of it, because it really is a sketch, and uh, that was written for Mr. Show, but everything else is pretty much from the last, like, four or five years, and it was stuff I wrote in between writing TV pilots and movies that no one made. Uh and I just <laughs> would write a comedy sketch, and just or comedy bits, and sometimes I'd send them into the New Yorker, but oftentimes I wouldn't, because honestly, uh, a lot of the pieces are too crude for the New Yorker so is it sort of like uh, the Cruel Shoes I guess it's kind of got similarities to Cruel Shoes and uh, and like without feathers and side effects the Woody it's Allen it's like a collection
0: books. of just a collection of little sketchy things
2: yeah and stuff. it's it's pretty kitchen sinky yeah and um, so if you like Mr. Show and the other stuff I've done in comedy then you're gonna love this and if you only know me from Breaking Bad maybe you wanna tread lightly <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey that actor from that show I love put out a book. What does he think he's funny or something? Why is he
2: insulting religion?
3: <laughs> Coming from such a wholesome show like Breaking yeah, Bad, wow. you'd figure.
0: What a what an amazing uh ride that show became. I mean, it it was you know, talk about letting a show breathe giving it a fifth season. Yeah, Like, you know, that show went from... Breaking Bad, yeah, Like a million or two million tops the first season uh, to... You know
2: maybe better than I, but I thought it was going to get... The words I've heard, the story I've heard is that that thing was going to get canceled after the first season and after the second season. Hmm. Like, it never had a big enough audience, but they just kept it on. They, They think they saw the quality of it. I mean, that happens. You know, Seinfeld, the network execs seem to think... I think it's good. No one's watching it, but come on. I think it's good. Yeah. And um, Warren Littlefield in that case. But in AMC, um, you know, I think probably just – I kind of believe those guys, that they they said this is good stuff. Let's just keep making it. Yeah. And and then for streaming viewing to come along and for it to build and grow as much as it did, that was crazy, as you point out. I mean, it's crazy
0: how it – You know, um, quantitatively exploded. I've never seen. I mean, this happens on Walking Dead, but with and I've seen it happen with Game of Thrones, but Breaking Bad the most I've ever seen where all you had to do when the show was still on, if it was the day after the show aired, is go, uh, "Hey, Breaking Bad was." And people were like, "I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I gotta watch it. Don't tell me. Don't please don't tell me. Please don't spoil it. Yeah, because it was so like those little gifts." That, uh, gift is not gifts <laughs> that, uh, that Vince would plant, yeah, where you just could never predict how it was going to shake out, but yeah. then it was always the most perfect way. Like, I never would have predicted that, but that's the only way that could have worked out, yeah. And, and then yeah. when perfect. you
2: talk to Vince, and I think you probably have, yeah, and you find out, and I believe him, that he didn't really know where things were going, <laughs> yeah, and that some of those gifts were just puzzles just puzzles that he had to sort out and then that it that he sorted them out and he and he came to such rewarding uh you know conclusions and journeys is amazing yeah. i mean he worked his ass
3: off. I also love that he is always so quick to give credit to the writers he worked with and yeah. everyone on the show. He was always like every, they, I love this moment. He's like, "Well, that was done by" and they'll like, you know, name the writers. He'll so immediately I, name Yeah, the I person. think that's such a such a cool Yeah, person.
2: classy, but I think, you know, he knows what he did. And so there's no you know. Yeah. There's no
3: doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole the whole party's his. Doesn't the matter if the, the corner stuff. food item is better.
2: Yeah. So You know, yeah, he's great. And he's done an amazing job on this show, Better Call Saul, which we just finished two days ago. You finished it? Oh, shit. Yeah, we finished the first season. How did it feel? Uh, Amazing. And uh, I can't really, uh, besides for legally not being able to tell you what happened, uh, the threat (laughs) of prison, Um, I'm just, my head's spinning um, because I was in almost every moment of it. So, I don't even know what happened. We were doing a little like DVD uh, review of the episodes, you know, like an extra for the yeah. DVD. And I couldn't remember. They were like, In this episode, when you did this? And I was like, When did I do that? Jeez. <laughs> what was that again? Tell me again. And then I would just sit and think for 30 seconds and go, Okay. Okay, I'm remembering. It
0: now. All right. Okay. Okay. And then, well, you'll like, get to watch the show like a viewer. Like you won't. You it'll just all be honestly, brand new to you. Seriously, it is just.
2: I, ran, I can't remember what happened.
0: Well, I ran. I ran into Vince and uh, was. I was asking him about it, and I, he didn't tell me anything specific. But he just said. He said the show is turning out way more intense than I expected it to. That it almost. You know, it's not that I don't know if I don't was the plan to like sort of. Make it a little bit lighter, or just yeah. like flip the genre a little bit. It was
2: bit? it was a crazy, quick and uh, mutation where initially there was talk, like very early on, before any deals were being made, maybe it'd be a half hour comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally that far in the direction of comedy, and uh, and then it just I think when they got down to writing and, and really building the show, it very quickly became drama, and then. In, it's weird because there is a lot of comedy in it. There's comedy everywhere. There's hilarious scenarios and situations that they're just kind of ludicrously funny, but they're coming from Saul Goodman. Yeah. And yet, in the main, it is such intense drama. Mm. (laughs) It's like, I mean, forgetting the hours that it took to make, which would you know, which wiped me out. The intensity of the scenes was like, you know, kind of one after the other. It seemed sometimes one after the other, just super, super intense. People fighting for their, I wouldn't say their lives, but everything that they wanted was always, you know, being questioned and challenged. And and so these this character especially is just really uh, getting crushed, just getting crushed by
0: everybody and everything around him. I'm sure it's fun to be the main guy, but I'm sure it's also fun to be like, yeah, I don't have to carry the show. I just get oh to my come God. in and yeah. just...
2: Fargo was such a blast. Yeah, that was a great show. <laughs> I mean, I would pop up to Calgary, go eat a fucking great dinner, <laughs> learn my four-page scene, Show up the next day, have a chat with everybody, go shoot this really light, likable character. In the end, he was likable. Yeah. You know, try to nail it and uh, walk away and go get another awesome dinner. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then this show was just, it was like being, you know, when you read about professional, you know, Tour de France people, it's like, I'm going to eat at this hour so that I have the energy to go through 11. And then I got to go to bed right away and get up at 4.30. And I got to do this and I got to eat this food at this time. So my energy stays the same through the whole day. You know, it was like measuring food and sleep all week. Because, you know, as the week goes, you get into night shoots. So by Friday, you're shooting from 6 p.m. till 6 a.m. And then Monday, you start at 5.30 and, like, how do you do that and still be healthy? And, you know, you have a super intense scene on Tuesday, then another one on Wednesday night, and then another one Friday morning. And it's like, how do you measure this thing out? It was just constantly like doing that
0: kind of math. Was it? And so, are you there's no way you could have anticipated that? You
2: know what? No one did. And the first talks about it and talking about doing it before I went there it was very much an ensemble thing. You know, it was like, we were still referring to breaking bad as like the template for right. it. Cause it's what everybody had done most recently. So, um, I think everyone was surprised by how focused it was on that character. Vince and Peter, Vince and Peter, Peter Gould is the co-writer and creator of that show. And the other writers, uh, Tom Schnauz from breaking bad, um, Jenny Hutchison from breaking bad. Um, mm. Gordon Smith, who worked in the Breaking Bad room, uh, and, uh, and Bradley Paul, um, who is a new writer to, the, to that milieu. Um, you know, none of them knew where it was going, really. I mean, Vince and Peter, I believe them when they say we were finding it as we made it. So you'll see when you watch the show... It's gripping. It's intense. It's got qualities that Vince and Peter write in all their shows, and all they just do. They're focused and serious guys. They, but it's it's like going off into this place where
0: like where is it going? It's really incredible. <laughs> Did you? I mean, you you must have. Was it the kind of situation where you thought you understood this character coming off? Of Breaking no, Back? I
2: knew. I knew. That whatever we've done in Breaking Bad, it's going to have to grow a lot more. There's no way you just do that guy, that public face of this guy who's changed his name to Saul Goodman and uh, put this, you know, set this office around himself to to be this, you know, to to be the symbol to a certain community. There's no way you just goof around with that and call it a show. I mean, I'm sure some people think you could, but... I knew it was gonna be all new layers, all new sides, and and that there'd be a lot of discovery. You know, we'll see what it is. We'll see. We don't really know. I mean I haven't seen it cut together. I haven't seen a single bit of me in it. Oh, not wow. a bit. Because as an actor, you know, I don't I don't like thinking as a producer as an actor. When I'm acting in a part that's that heavy I just want to think about what am I doing next, why, what does he care about, what do I bring to that, how do I play it. I don't want to be thinking about how does it look and how does it fit with this other thing. I just It's literally the moment, the moment, just play the moment. And Yeah, so I haven't seen any of it, and I also just didn't want to see it. I just didn't want to have a picture in my head of me doing the character. And it wasn't that hard to do what I just told you because I'm in everything. (laughs) So it wasn't hard for me to not go, what? You have to have to tell them, rewind it. I want to see it. I'm not going to do that. We got stuff to do, work to do. I did watch two scenes that I'm not in. Um, And they look great. Uh, One had Jonathan Banks in it and then other people. Um, So that's all I've I've not seen
0: a bit of it. Did you ever, I mean... Just remember. I, I mean, I remember watching you
3: on. Do you remember the A List? Uh huh. And I remember watching you on the A List. You remember watching A List? Yeah, but uh, which bit was on it? it was, I'm thinking it was well, the, bit, was it the, the bit that I remember.
0: The bit that I remember was um, uh, it had something to do. We might have mentioned this the first time you were on the podcast, but it had to do with. Uh, uh, talking about history but not really having it was almost oh, like the
2: Abe Lincoln piece? it was almost I like the b minus time show. traveler kind of it was of a, a
0: one man show uh where oh was that it well b minus time traveler know, was the stiller show but it but this was it was this it was a similar premise where it's like you didn't really have any grasp, fa- a grasp of, of history thing. but you were you were talking about all these facts that were uh, i think
2: it was Lincoln bit
0: which you can watch on youtube where
2: i I'm a guy who's like I don't really know much about Lincoln, but I did a one-man show, and and then it's just dumb made-up stuff, or just you know he holds up a penny
0: and goes, "Hmm, I've lost weight," <laughs> uh, you know, it's just stupid. <laughs> uh, or his secretary and and, uh, and oh yeah, secretary of the same name, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Makes you think.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't.
0: Yeah, I don't remember the bit entirely, but yes, that's I think that's the bit. So you know, it, it, starting as a stand-up and a writer, uh, did you ever see yourself shifting into like you know to where, where people are perceiving you as like, no, oh, he's a very you
2: know what I thought honestly when I and I was when I was doing Second City, the main stage with Chris Farley and Jill Talley. And and that was the first time I thought, you know, here I'm on stage with these really funny people, like Farley in particular, right? Like, so funny. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to ever compete with that energy on a comedy stage and that wonderfulness on a comedy stage. So, And it made me think, you know, I probably belong in dramas. <laughs> really, seriously, I remember standing on stage thinking... I belong in a drama. I'd be the funniest guy in a drama, <laughs> and I kind of have like a, a like a com- complex energy of like, you know, what's this guy? What's his motive? Mm-hmm. You know, and that works in a drama. That's great in a drama when you look at somebody and go, what, "Wait, what are they really after?" There's more to him than what he's showing me. So, but I never pursued it. That's the thing. Is I thought, you know, I probably belong there. But I like writing sketch comedy and I love performing with David Cross and Chris Farley and these people who are visually are funny, you know, and have this just funny energy just right in front of you. You just watch them. And I never made the attempt to move into drama. I got lucky that Vince Gilligan in particular said, I think you can do this. And and Alexander Payne trusted me and a couple other people. Um... But I never pursued it. I mean, I auditioned for Payne's movies. He's always had me come in, Um, but I just never pursued it because I like writing. If you leave me a free time, I'm going to go write sketch or
0: a load of hooey,
2: (laughs) which is my book. I'm talking about my book here. in Bookstores
0: now, I believe. In
2: bookstores now, a load of hooey. Did you also just
3: do
0: a special too? No,
2: I didn't. You recorded something at Mountain. You know what I did, Chris. You know, I've done stand up.
0: I'm very familiar with this. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
2: But I very irregularly. Yes. And that makes me not a pro. <laughs> you know what I mean. Because you are a pro. I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like real stand ups, they do four sets a night. Mm hmm. And I've done, I've had periods where I do four sets in a week, but it has been years since that. I've got all this material. I got all these jokes that I like a lot that are fun to say, but a lot of them are getting a little old. And uh, my wife, for probably the last three years, has been saying, We just make a, r- a recording of it just so the kids one day can hear what you sounded like <laughs> doing stand up. And I was like, You know, maybe, maybe not. I don't think my material's up to par. I'll wait until I'm. Yeah, when I should have done it was when we did that Mr. Show tour last year, mm-hmm. me, David, and Brian. Yeah, and we did stand up every night. I did fifteen minutes, David did fifteen minutes. I should have done it then because I was I kind of got up to speed, kind of after you know twelve shows, but I didn't. So better call Saul was coming. I knew I was gone for five months. I looked at my material. I'm like, I cannot tell these jokes ever again. That is enough. These poor things have gotten their asses kicked. <laughs> they are rusty and beaten and dried out and wrung out. And, but I thought, you know what? They're fun to tell. So I called uh, Matt and the guys from uh, AST. Special thing. Yep. I said, if can you record me doing stand-up live a week from today? It was a Thursday. Next Thursday. And they go, yes, we can. And I go, if it's not, if it's horrible, we're not putting it out. They Agreed? Agreed. Okay. And then can you get me the youngest stand-up comic who's good, who's fun to hear? And I want to do it with him, and we're going to call it Amateur Hour, because I'm a fucking amateur. After 30 years, I'm a fucking amateur, because that's what you are if you do stand-up Seven times a year, right? You're an amateur. (laughs) And so I am after 30 years, an amateur. And uh, so we did it, we recorded it. Now, is it great? It is not great.
1: (laughs) 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 Who said that?
2: (laughs) You know, uh, but there it is. There's some funny jokes in there. But here's the best thing about it, you guys. Brandon Wardell is the opening comic, and he's great, and he's got a great energy. He's fun to listen to, fun to be with. So he does ten minutes, and I do forty minutes, and I'm like, that's fifty minutes. We, I and mean, that's not an hour. So I came up with this character. I heard this Hitchcock. Did you see the Stone Roses documentary, Made of Stone? No, but I love oh, the Stone it's Roses. So great, you got to see this. Okay, and uh, Shane, uh, oh, what's filmmaker, British filmmaker, uh, Shane Meadows directed it. You know Shane Meadows? No. This is England uh, film he made. You know it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah f- great. Great yeah. filmmaker. And he directed this Stone Roses documentary and he's a real filmmaker so he's like, it's got layers. It's like when Scorsese directs a music documentary. Mm-hmm. And it starts with this great Hitchcock quote. But Hitchcock speaking, talk like this very slowly. <sighs> You know, creativity is something that you dream of making happen. Sometimes you get lucky and it happens. Other times you have a mess. (laughs) And he just talked this laconic slow. And I said, I want to do that voice. So I, <laughs> I did this 10 minute riff improv of this old British agent talking about comedy. <laughs> and so it's at the end of the album, and, and it's like an extra. And maybe it's the best thing on it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, No woman will ever tell jokes in a way that is satisfactory. <laughs> And so a lady cannot be invited upon the stage, (laughs) and it's just his rules of comedy, and uh, and uh, so, anyways, that's part of it too. So that's my big album
0: called Amateur Hour that comes out in
2: like three weeks and is for fans.
0: But that's that's kind of fun though (laughs) that you just sort of like made like a throwaway fun comedy project. You're like, yeah, you know, take it or leave it. It's something. Yeah,
2: it's the only way I could do it. Because, come on. You're not going to go you on the and I, road. You are
0: a stand-up.
2: You toured.
0: I do.
1: You
2: may not have toured that much anymore, but you did.
0: I'm about to do it. I just got off a little tour. I'm about to go on and another And you
2: one. know the difference between show number one and show number 20. Of course. And it's a huge difference. Yes. And I've never gotten to show 20 <laughs> in my life.
3: <laughs> but so, you, never... you,
2: know, I, I, you know, come on. I, I've been around stand-up. I've been around... When I was in New York doing Stan, uh, Saturday Night Live, I would do sets at the Cellar. I would do the, the improv. And, uh, you know, obviously David Cross is very serious about stand-up, and Louis C.K. would be around. I was around him and Ray Romano. These guys are the real deal, and I am not. <laughs> and it's, you know, I don't know. What do you do with that information? Do you not record the album? I, I think if you have enough fans and you think it'll make people laugh, you you go ahead and record it and you call it amateur hour. Well, I think it's <laughs> I
0: think it can be whatever you want it to be. Like, you know, like whatever stand up means to Louie doesn't have to be exactly the same way right. that you do it. Like right. you can, you know, like
2: Well, you know, I was never uh primarily uh driven by stand up. It was always sketch for me.
0: Yeah. You know. Which is hard because you need other people for that ultimately, right? I guess yeah it is that's one of the challenges but then you
2: have other people I mean stand up the hard thing is you're alone up there That's the best It is kind of good right I whenever actors go how do you do stand up you're all alone up there it's like yeah you get to go up there and dick around and get laughs and you it's don't great. you
0: don't have to rely on anything you right. just you know I mean you I you,
2: mean it's easier to say from where you and I sit because we have a persona that the audience knows and they are willing to, you know, uh, give a, give us rope to hang ourselves, and, and we use that rope and enjoy it. Yeah. But when you're starting out, it is super challenging, right? Because you don't have a voice, and you don't, and you're really trying to. You want to make people happy. I mean, I saw this interview with George Carlin. It helps if you don't give a shit. <laughs> and uh, of course, I think no one gave a shit more than George Carlin. And that's why the world uh, pissed him off. Um, <laughs> You know But in some ways Respects He didn't give a shit You know It was like If you don't like me You don't like me And this is what I think And But it's hard to get to that place
0: You know Well yeah it's, Yeah it's very hard Because There aren't really Even Lenny Bruce You
2: know In his book And I don't know where it is I think it's at, near the end of that book He wrote What's it called uh, How to lose friends And Alienate 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 by Talking Dirty or something, uh, says, you know, I, I wanted people to like me. I tried to make the audience laugh. I wasn't trying to piss them off. I wasn't trying to r- walk the room. You know how many stand-ups are proud of walking the room, right?
0: Yeah, yeah some people say that, but I kind of feel like, I mean, maybe they really mean that, but I always kind of see that as a cop-out, right? Because I think it's easier. I think it's easier to piss people off than it is to make them laugh. Because you just start saying things that right. are offensive or absurd, or, or absurd, or you, like it's easy to lose people. Yeah. I think it's a cop out. I I think it's like a sort of hey, fuck, man. I'm it's it's like a spoiled kid. Like, well, I'm just gonna do. I'm just gonna be naughty so I get attention. I'm like, well. Yeah, because it's a lot harder to write jokes and create an arc and and build a world and get people yeah. and suck people in than it is to, you know, be like you are fucking stupid. You know, like that's 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 performance art, I guess. I don't know what that is, but I don't think it's comedy.
2: No, I know what you're saying. I agree with that, except I would also say that there is a kind of thing with the balls to do that, the willingness to do that. Like I always feel like when I'm on stage doing stand up, when people don't like it i'm like oh well i'll leave that's all right <laughs> you, i don't need to do this for my ego i'm doing it because i like telling jokes yeah and i think you know a lot of the stand-ups that we both know are people who are like no no they're you know they they need that and they and so they've got those they've got uh this kind of intensity that's willing to go that to that length of uh fighting with the, uh, the crowd, fighting them, <laughs> you know, and I don't have that.
0: Yeah, I don't, I mean, obviously I know that they're not every bit's going to land. I, I just think it's sort of a, I just think it's an interesting choice to try to do the, I'm going to chase people out of the room on purpose. Yeah,
2: like, I know. Like, I do think oh. people tend to talk about it like I was already going south right. and then I decided <laughs> to, to, you know, destroy what was left. It's I not it's you know except those. for Andy Kaufman who clearly did things like read from The Great Gatsby right and just intentionally hoping that you know it, it, I'm going to keep doing this till everyone's gone that's that's how long this bit lasts right and uh and in some ways is the purpose of the bit right but that was really funny the way he did that because he acted insulted by the audience being uh, restless. Right. Did you ever see it? I never he'd saw it. He'd read, and the minute they would la- make a noise or something, he'd <laughs> look at them like, what? Hey, I'm reading. Come
0: on. But then he, and, but then he read the book.
2: And then he'd keep reading. <laughs> look up. Like, come on. You know, like, and that that was the funny part. The yeah. funny part was
0: reacting like, you should all be quiet come on, I'm reading The Great Gatsby. <laughs> yeah. Well, but also, I mean, I think that's funny when you can tell the story and sort of tell the highlights of it. But to be there, it'd probably be like, what, uh, what's happening? Like, you know, like hour three. You
2: know, in in it, again, to... I, I, you know, I, I have a... Uh, I don't have a... I'm not in love with absurdity. I, I think it it can be leaned on easily and you can not be funny and just be weird. And yeah. I don't... You know, I think it's harder to be funny and better to be funny. Yeah. Um, but I like absurdity. I mean, Monty Python, I thought, could be absurd and funny Absolutely. at the same time. And so that's like the perfect mix to me. Because um, absurdity is like an anarchic fuck you to structure and right. to, to the world. And that's wonderful. That's one thing comedy exists for, right? Um But I think that, like, for instance, that Andy Kaufman thing is a great example of, like, when people tell the story or you read about it, he read The Great Gatsby until everyone left. It lacks the joke. The joke is that he acted insulted (laughs) when they left, he acted hurt. That's the joke. And he was funny. You know, he did the joke. He didn't just be a prick.
0: He was clearly supremely hilarious. Yes. That there was more than just. I'm going to be a weirdo. Yeah. It was, you know, these Oh my the-
2: God. Did you ever see that talk show he did for public TV where he's Oh on- I'm really high. Yeah. <laughs> he's like at a Johnny Carson desk that's like twelve feet in the air <laughs> and the guest is down here <laughs> sitting on a chair. Oh my god, that's funny. You just know how funny that is,
0: you know. But now I but now I feel like that's so, you know, because he existed it spawned a whole, like now that stuff is kind of commonplace, especially with, you know, with the internet of just, you know, like the absurdity factor. Yeah. And then it's, and then again, people copying the just weird for the sake of weird without the substance of, you know, there are actual nuggets and comedy yeah. structures I mean, in here that drive I, I the think thing. Tim
2: and Eric are the craziest, wonderful mix of super funny and super absurd. I don't know how they do it. I mean, there's, you've got special brains, those two guys. Yeah. I think they're like a great example of intense absurdity that's
0: really funny to me. Would you ever want to do a sketch show again? Like be on a sketch show? Well,
2: David and I are talking about doing a reunion show next year for <gasps> a Mr. Show what? reunion like maybe on HBO. Oh, We're trying shit. to make that happen. 20-year reunion. That'd but be with amazing. new material, you know, sketches that we write. That um for America? No, no, new stuff, you know. Um so we're going to try to make that happen. Um, I love sketch comedy, I'm, but this chance I have to do drama is pretty wonderful. I'm oh, you have re- to do this, this now! Hard. Like you
0: can't not do this. Yeah, right? like this is this is a this is an amazing opportunity. Like this is a moment that you yeah. have you oh you have to you have to do this. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, you're it's right.
1: it's
2: too it's special. It's so rare in show business that someone gets to go a totally different direction and really gets trusted. I mean, i have really been trusted by Vincent Peter.
0: Uh, they're crazy (laughs) with that with a team with a with a great team like that that's that's and you and you kind of have the freedom to make it as you know whatever you want it to be i mean that's that's really special i mean you 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 can you can make sketches and you know till you're 100 you know yeah yeah but this opportunity is so is so important and so special and people are super psyched about it well, can we talk about my book for two seconds? Are you talking about a load of hooey, which is available in bookstores? Yeah. Do you like my picture? I do uh, like. Um, mm-hmm. I do like your picture with the. the Bob Odenkirk is uh, stuck under a cat, holding someone's wine in a stinky old pipe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very traditional author's I, I looking have picture. Three
2: about the author pictures. All right. Three was, of them. That's one. That's There's one. one at the very end. Okay. And then there's one on the back cover.
0: There's the and other. That one's the real one. That's the real one. Okay, that's, that's the just you. Picture that's, of me that's you now. The over. back cover. The back cover so, is it? <laughs> is you in a kind of a micro sort of a Bob Odenkirk dug a 13 foot long, eight and a half foot deep trench in order to get to the vein of hooey encased in this volume. Is this is you actually digging out the hooey. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It was
2: in. Is this in Gr- Griffith Park?
0: This is Griffith Park. Yep. And there's a lot of hooey under running <laughs> underneath. There. It's it's. Uh, and it's on the McSweeney's uh, imprint.
3: Nice. Yes, sir. Do you very... want to do a selected reading from the book? Let me read something from this book.
0: Bob Odenkirk will now read a selection from a load uh, of food. the
3: publishing information for me. <laughs> That's my favorite yeah. part. What Many year? Can you hear the year? It's a pretty good year. This is uh,
2: one of my uh, famous quotations, unabridged. The first part is the true quotation, and the rest is the part that uh, they leave out. If you can dream it, you can do it. Not you, I mean me I was talking to myself Did you hear me just now? Forget I said that Walt Disney (laughs) Uh, I'm going to read One more of those Because they're fun to read They're short Uh, Oh, this one's great Famous quotations unabridged Again, the first part is the true quotation And then the rest is the part that you've never heard before Because they always cut it out I don't know why When asked by an associate how long should a man's legs be, Abraham Lincoln thoughtfully responded, long enough to reach the ground. Then, after another think, he added, they have to make it up high enough to reach his torso as well. Basically, they must go from the base of the stomach to the shoes, and the feet should fill the shoes completely. Did I mention the knees? One for each leg should do the trick. Yeah, that's good enough for me. Frankly, I'm more interested in his ass. And at this the great lawyer was cut off. <laughs> <laughs> Very abridged as uh, it turns out.
0: They cut a they cut they a lot most of that out. of that quote. Yeah. They cut I mean it's you know you it's don't even of context of that I think if you go to Lincoln oh, here's Memorial, one probably... you might recognize. Okay.
2: Um and the first part is the true is the quote you've heard mm-hmm. and the rest is the part they never include. It's the job that's never started, as takes longest to finish. But that's nothing compared to writing a trilogy that takes
0: fucking forever. J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> he did say that. I believe he did he say did that. He did say the first part, yes. I believe he, he said, actually did yeah. say that. Yeah. That may have been one that yeah. he said.
2: Here's one from, I'll read one more of those. And then, oh, here's, oh. Anyways, I'm going on tour. Did you know that? What? With this book, I'm going to do some shows where we'll act out pieces from it. And also do some sketches that aren't in the book. It's fantastic. I'm going to go do Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, Minneapolis, um, Three, Seattle. Four good comedy towns already. And New York. Five. And San Francisco. The sixth great town. And then I'm going to do some bookstores as well. And I'm going to do Largo in L.A. You're going to do Largo? You're gonna do... Yeah, and we're going to have friends there, too, like Jerry Minor and Brian Posehn are going to read from the book. Excellent. They read some funny stuff on the book on tape. Um the audiobook book on tape old man Jesus Christ <laughs> book on tape book on victrola <laughs> uh book on 78 <laughs> Is it can I get that on wax Yeah Uh hold on I want to read one more of these uh I have got my favorite one I can't find it uh, you Should go to
0: Powell's in Portland too if you get a chance I am doing Powell's
2: Oh good. but that's a bookstore so it'll just be reading and uh, and then uh, signing, you know. Um, I've got, whatever, I'll read one of the other things in the book. There's tons of things in the book. Uh, I don't want to read a long thing.
0: The Great Gatsby.
2: I'll read a little of, jeez, uh, come on, Bob, you wrote the damn thing. <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr.'s worst speech ever. Um, I'll just read the speech, not the preface. Uh, um, hello. Hi. I was not told I would be speaking today, (laughs) but I guess I'm Martin Luther King. I'm invited to a church. Could have put two and two together to himself. You can do this, King. Come on, get it together (laughs) to the crowd. We stand together today, all of us, black and white. Well, there's not so many white people here, squinting. Maybe some in the back. Not important. Moving on.
1: <clears throat> <laughs>
2: All of us here today are a great conflagration. <laughs> what? That's not the word. Congregation. Not the same thing. Wipes his brow. Whew. It is hot in here. Man, it's hot here in the great state of Kentucky. Whispers to his aide. What's that? Alabama? Mississippi? Okay. Okay, Mississippi. So why did that guy say Alabama? (laughs) Yes, you did. You guys heard him. Whatever. That's what I get for asking the peanut gallery to himself. Let it go, Martin. Back on track. (laughs) We stand together. Some of you are sitting, I know. But in your hearts, you are standing. You are standing. No, you you don't actually have to stand up. Sit back down, please. Don't listen to me. I mean, well, listen to me, but don't do what I tell you to do. Just, uh, Just sit back down. See, I can see into your hearts Your happy, hopeful hearts Some of them hurting, all hoping to heal What the heck's with the letter H all of a sudden (laughs) To himself, back up, King Get on track here (laughs) Your hearts can see, they do They can see better things The eyes in your hearts are hopeful Hopeful eyes that fly with wings Blind to hatred, blind to retribution Blind eyes that fly Think about that Boy, oh boy, that's something, isn't it that strains credulity. Let me begin anew. Let us all begin anew. Me with the talking, you with the listening. Can I get an amen? I can't? Okay. Par for the course. Wrap it up, Martin. <laughs> okay. What I'm thinking of is a metaphor. A glorious metaphor like a shining beacon. A profound, top-notch metaphor... Imagine for me, if you will, a metaphor for suffering, for sorrow, for persecution, but also for redemption, for joy, for celebration. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it? Is this mic on? Okay, that's all I got. I still have time. How about a Q&A?
0: No? No questions? Criminy. It's a steam bath in here. That was, that was his worst speech. Ever. That, didn't, that one didn't go well. No. It's tough to find in the history books, so I'm glad that you're able to unearth that. Yeah, yeah. For... You're welcome. My treat to history. <laughs> did you like? I mean, did you have to write anything specifically, or was it just? Oh, I just had yeah, this pile I just, of stuff.
2: It literally was a pile of stuff. Yeah, and it got its way to Dave Eggers, the great writer and uh, publisher, and he said, I want to put this out.
0: It's fun how uh, there, that's a couple of things where it's basically you were just cleaning out boxes, and you're like, yeah, i got you know, to so make kind a It of was gotta... that.
2: It really truly was. Uh, Mike Sachs is an editor in New York, and he said, just send me what you've got of just loose pieces, and we'll just start collecting them and put out a book one day. And so I was doing that, and then I got a call from Eggers, and he was like, Mike sent me this stuff. I thought we would wait maybe two or five more years, but <laughs> um, but you know, since Dave liked it so much and it made him laugh, I said, "Great, if you want to do it, uh let's do it yeah, and it's 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 not a long it's a short book it's sort short of breeze but through it. I will argue this okay, you mustn't read it all at once because it's too much silliness at once. You will start to it's like eating nothing but ice cream for. A day. That's ridiculous. It will get gross. Yeah. So you, it, even though it's not the heaviest book you ever picked up, it it will fill you up in quick uh, time, and then you can eat more later. Now
0: you you be, you like you enjoy silliness and sketch I do. comedy, but I have always found you to be kind of a serious person, and I know that most comics yeah. are ultimately very yeah they are very right? serious yeah right
2: yeah. But, yeah totally absolutely I mean I mean. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, aren't they mostly serious people? I mean, some of some I think some people have more of a a goof around energy all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's not me. You're right. Right. I mean, but you know, there's a lot of people like me. You know that.
0: Yeah. You know, how are your your kids must be like in high school? Yeah,
2: now. they're they're older now. They're uh, I don't want to talk about them too much. <laughs> But they're older, and they're able to actually look and see the things I've done now. That's how old they are. <laughs> Give you a sense. Uh, because for many, many years, they did not know what I did, and I wouldn't let them see it. Of course. And I still don't really, I don't certainly don't force it on them. I don't show it to them. But they know these things, and they've watched some of them. Yeah. But most of their friends knew who I was and had seen my work years before they saw any of it. Oh, really? Oh, years before. Three, four years before they'd seen me do anything. Their friends had seen stuff. But we don't, at our house, we don't like let our kids watch things that have adult commentary in them. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: I wonder if I. I mean, ever-
2: we're not like religious, really, <laughs> you know, but I just wouldn't feel comfortable, especially with the dad saying those words. Right. Like, my son asked me for this book yesterday, and I was like, oh, right. Well, Nate, there's a lot of language in it. I hope you don't mind, you know? It's weird. I think totally I'm... You know how comfortable I am swearing on stage and uh, in front of a camera, and yet I think that's part of a performance, you know? You know? I I think in real life, you, you have to speak in the... You know, you have to think about your audience. And I think my audience has been a hipster fringe alternative comedy audience and which i love and i'm uh, totally fine with i'm not trying to change that and they can handle it they can hack it
0: yeah but it's a weird it's weird with the kids
2: yeah the stage exists to to go crazy a little bit yeah you know that's what we go to see and it's and honestly that's what like breaking bad you know, I mean, crazy shit happens. Good, cuz that's what I want to watch. I don't want to watch people living normal lives on TV. <laughs> it's I get to see that by not watching TV. Yeah.
0: Do you uh with so Better Call Saul premieres in February, yeah, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Are, are you nervous about that or do you not think You
2: know, that? it's weird. I never thought about it until about 2 weeks ago.
0: Honestly. My
2: life was just do this part, do it well. What do I have to do tomorrow? What do I have to do the next day? What does that scene mean? How can I do it well? That's all I thought about every day, all day, all weekend. And only about two weeks before it ended, I'm not shitting you, I went, oh, they're going to show this to people. (laughs) (laughs) Really? It's like it didn't hit me. And it's like, wow, well, I hope it cuts together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is a little intimidating now But it wasn't for the run of the process It was just a That's not what entered into my head as what I needed to think about Or worry about Or even conceive of Until it was nearly the end And then it was like Oh, right
0: Yeah, no, it's gonna be seen by people Are you comfortable with the amount of attention That it's probably gonna bring? Yeah, I'm alright
2: with it You know, fucking we've done so much shit Right? You and me. This guy's getting on to it, too. You know what I mean, right? I mean, at a certain point, it's like, I don't feel like... I really don't feel like I'll be defined entirely by it. I I won't define myself entirely by it. Yeah. I've just done too much other stuff. And so... It doesn't intimidate me the way a young actor would be intimidated by. Oh my God, my whole life is going to be defined by my big role that I just got.
0: Right, and I just, and, and
2: it's not going to happen. It can't happen. Yeah, you've because been through I've too just, many of those. Yeah.
0: Like I just wrote, I spent a year writing stuff that never got made. Like there's just too many. Like yeah. oh, it's uh, I guess this isn't working. Okay, this yeah. is working. Okay, well that's not going yeah. to work. You know,
2: it's just not going to happen. Can't happen. You yeah. can't do it to me. I mean. The audience in certain segments, certainly that will be all they know me from, and that's fine. But I just can't think of myself that way. Yeah. If I tried, I can't.
0: And you wouldn't either because you're, it's not like you're going to stop making sketches. Yeah. You're not going to, you might do this Mr. Show special. And even if you don't do the Mr. Show special, you'll still just shoot random shit and put it online or write more books or pop up somewhere. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean,. I think that the thing that's great about it is it it maybe gives me a a perspective to try to do uh, more challenging stuff, you know? I mean, it it was a challenging job. And I'm going to do a second season, so that's happening, you know? So I'm going to go do that. So I'm kind of focused on that. But, yeah, I don't know. And the other thing is, you know me. We lived in the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Like, you know... (laughs) I'm primarily a dad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's mostly what I am in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I so don't the know. Other we'll see how it goes. I mean, I might be. I don't. I don't think it can change uh, how I think about myself. I don't think it can.
0: Well, that's it, good because right. you have no control over all that other stuff. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know how it's going to be received. You don't know how it's. How, yeah. What? What? How people are going to. No matter what your intention is with something, that doesn't mean that's how, what people are going to take away from it. I
2: mean, it. the hardest thing is going to be for people who simply want more Breaking Bad. Right. And that's not what it is. Yeah. It's just not. It's called Better Call Saul. It's a <laughs> different show. Yeah. The f- emphasis is different. The tone is going to be different. It's the same writers, so they, there are things. I mean, they're great writers, and they're serious as hell about this thing, as yep. serious as they've ever been about anything they've done. But it's not the same show. Right. So there's going to be a segment of the audience that are like, wait, I thought it would just be more of that. <laughs> <laughs> where's Jesse? I mean, I have people all the time writing. In, where, where's Jesse? And how much Walt are we going to see? What are you talking <laughs> about? Zero? Zero? Because they don't m- meet him until... Yeah. Um, so there's that. The other side of it is, you know, there was a social phenomenon that you and I talked. When we started this, we farted ourselves. <laughs> we farted ourselves farted together. upon ourselves. Yeah. When we started talking about this, uh, everything, we talked about the social phenomenon of Breaking Bad. And that can't be repeated by Breaking Bad or any other show. Right. Which is, no one talked about streaming viewing when the show went on the air. Right. Four years later, everyone was like, I stream viewed it. It was a term that didn't exist in the popular lexicon when the show started. Four years later, everyone used it and everyone had done it and was doing it and was excited about it. Right. You know, I binge watch. Binge watch didn't exist as a term in season one. Right. In season four, that's how everybody, millions of people watched it and talked about it. I mean, so that can't happen again it happened and so that novelty and that crazy snowball of awareness and experience it's done it's not going to happen with better call saul
0: or any other show cuz it already happened what a fascinating moment of just like yeah. so many of the right i mean you know when you when i when i look at breaking bad and i go what an amazing collection of The right writers, the right actors, the right set designers, the right music. But then also the bigger piece was just like the right time, exactly with what you're saying.
2: Cliffhangers, Mm -hmm. watch the next one. Yep. (sniffs) Vince writes those amazing cliffhanger moments. Boom, start the next one. I mean, so built for Netflix, right? So built for streaming viewing.
0: And people not being able to wait a week to see yeah. something. Yeah.
3: That's my favorite part though, of those shows, the cliffhangers and stuff like that. I yeah. I like that conversation you can have with other people watching it of like, oh, speculating and theorizing <laughs> and like it's like what do you think's going to happen? Letting it well, live with that, you as yeah, opposed to yeah.
0: Binge watching and then it's disposable
3: and then you're done and you're yeah, like, what's yeah, next? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I love the culture that uh, happens around a show because of the. Con- it's like it's you know, no one's getting into conversations about like you know, artists or like the new symphony. Like now, like it's like it's TV shows and it's like you talk about what's going to happen next and that's like a large part of conversation, casual conversation these days. And that's how you like you yeah. know, that's how you fill in the time.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's too bad if if that goes away too much.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't, I don't like, the, the, like the idea of Netflix like putting out all the episodes at once because right. you can't talk to anybody it's about kinda it. It's kind
2: of gone already. It's like you pop the balloon.
0: Yeah. And, and you also – there's it. no control over when people are going to – I mean, at least if a show's on the air, there's some structure to how people can be watching it. Yeah. But it, you know, it's like, oh, I watched Orange is the New Black in a day. Oh, yeah. it took me a
3: month, you know, like you can't, you don't know, where are you? Where are you in the series? Yeah, you know, like you can't really, really. you say it's something, lost. they go, Oh, you right. Know, it's just like, that's the conversation there. It's done. As opposed to like, you know, people being at the same spot at the same time.
2: Right. The, the, you don't yeah. experience it nearly the same way, right? No, no, Because when people talk about it, they're like, how was the, you, you just literally almost, it reduces the thing to, I saw it all in two days. Was it good? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> like what about all the talk about the characters and what happened this week and what's they were great. Yeah. where it's going oh that good. one was good that one was not as good the next one was yeah. great that's all gone now yeah, it's, it's gone. just
3: it's really good you it's should really watch good. it yeah it's a great show it's like, that's what was so that's why I got so into that you know Simpsons marathon that FXX did because it was like it was an, you know, the entire country was watching the same episode at the same time. So that was kind of like, you see, you go online and everyone's talking about the same episodes and it's like, you know, you go out and everyone had just seen the same episodes right. as everyone else. And it kind of, that was that feeling again. Right. And you don't get, you don't get that one. That's it's like, too
2: bad. Well, go. it'll all figure itself out. Cause this stuff will change. I mean, we're still in the middle of all this. We're still yeah. in the middle of how this works. You know, my show better call Saul, which is Vince Gillian's show that I'm on. <laughs> it's not mine. Okay. Uh, Uh, this show will play on AMC in America and Canada, Mm -hmm. and then within a day, it will play on Netflix around the world. That episode. Oh, wow. Hmm. It will not be released as a series on Netflix the next day, but in England or Australia, you can watch it on Netflix within a day of it playing here. That episode plays.
0: That's cool. So it's, that's, there, that's actually pretty huge. That's pretty huge news. It's a,
2: it's a, and I think I have it right. By the way, I'm not a bi, I'm not super great on reading contracts or technical <laughs> shit. So maybe you shouldn't completely trust me. But if I'm understanding correctly, that's what'll happen. And that's kind of interesting. It kind of retains what you're talking about, yeah. which is people will still only be watching one at a time. But it will get out there as opposed mm-hmm. to you know, having to wait for the whole season to play, and then they put the whole season up. But not in America. In America, you'll have to watch it on AMC. Or- How many
0: episodes? Ten. Ten episodes? Ten. Cool. Um, just as we're wrapping it up here... All right. Oh, my God. We yeah, really we did. should wrap it up. I-, I, I,
2: um... I gotta go find out what's for dinner.
0: I had... To- <laughs> uh, beef. Which is what I'm... Yeah. I, I went to... Uh, I went to this dinner club place that is... Uh, where the old Argo used to be. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, I've been in there. Yeah, it's That's crazy. It's well, first of all, it's gorgeous. It's it's gorgeous inside. But we got the fr- our old stage there. Though. The old stage is still there, and when I first walked in, the staff was probably so fucking bored with me going oh you got the stage right Dude, there I was there well, for none party. of this was here and then the yeah. like I was just describing yeah. to everyone that I didn't know there the staff like oh and then there was a wall here and people they, yeah. they would wait out line every Monday night and yeah. then John Bryan would have like, and then it was. So, I, felt like, I felt like an elderly person. Like, yeah. oh, this used to be a park. Yeah. I know, man. <laughs> and the dogs yeah. would run over there and we'd play well. in the sand.
2: I, I was there for a party a few weeks ago. I did the same thing. Every person I talked to, that's the stage. And you'd enter it from here or here. And that's, <laughs> is that the same piano? It's the same piano, <laughs> right? Sure I think so. And uh, you know why, though? What a great, when a great room is an amazing thing, right? Oh, yes. It's a special thing, and it's a rare thing. It's hard to
0: engineer, and sometimes it's hard it just magically happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that room was crazy great. Those Monday night shows were some of the most impactful shows to me as a performer. Uh, first of all, getting to do them, because it was a Big deal, because it was all of the. It was all people like you who were like the upperclassmen in my yeah, interesting world. Uh, of you know you and Zach and Mitch Hedberg and and Paul F and all these you know Jeanine, Janine Janine
2: Patton. I mean and, Tompkins. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean it was an amazing group, and uh, then being able to perform alongside those people, and then to actually like have a good set in that room when but, that room was yeah. full was crazy. Fun. It was like. First of all, prob- I can't imagine was, like, the fire code. Like the, 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 oh, That yeah. room was so fucking packed yeah. with all the people against the wall and the bar and then the tables. Um, but what an incredible moment. That room, moment.
2: Luna, yeah. you, on Cabaret, Luna. Yeah, Luna Park. That was an insane room. That's
0: when I first started watching. That's when I first discovered the quote-unquote alternative comedy scene, I didn't know any... I'd watched every comedy special in the 80s and part of the 70s. You know,
2: it's just that energy thing of, like, when you have rooms like that, you can get the audience on the same page. Yeah. And they're all... You're just, like, they're all right on every second, and they're, everybody's thinking together. And rooms that aren't as good, which is most rooms, <laughs> you, you finish a thought, you finish a riff... And the energy floats out. Right. And now you have to start it again. Right. And so that's the thing. Of course, I'm, again, I'm an amateur. <laughs> the pros don't need the room to help them.
0: But they took, they took the old Largo signs. I guess Flanny left the old Largo signs. And so they are the ceilings in the bathrooms. If you go into the oh, bathroom, crazy. it's just the old Largo sign is the ceiling. I want to check it out. Tile. It's amazing. That's awesome. I'm go there just to pee. <laughs> well, thank you, Bob. Odenkirk. Right, it was good to see you. Thanks for having me, man. A load of hooey is of uh, in bookstores. Better call Saul. I'm very excited. Sharpie. February, February. Yes, we have the Sharpie cow, and then uh, and then of course uh, Amateur Hour. I'm
2: sorry,
3: I don't have two. Oh, it's okay.
2: I will see you though. Probably at that show. Oh, that's to right. Do my
3: album. Yes, yes. I think he has one to There you go. Will you sign off the podcast
0: for us? We say enjoy your burrito at the end of the podcast.
2: Should so just say. Enjoy a burrito. That's good. Say it like my grandma.
0: Yeah, say it like your grandma.
2: Enjoy a burrito. (laughs) Well
0: done. (laughs) No, that was good, grandma. Now
1: leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.